Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. As you're sitting down, you can all open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. We're just going to read three verses. Ephesians 5, 8 to 10. Ephesians 5, 8 to 10. You know, we're finishing the series Gloriously Woven. I don't know if you, if you weren't here last week. I uh, encourage you to watch the service. It was John Ciada had an intergenerational service, like the real picture of what the church is all about. Young, younger, middle-aged, older. It's funny how I'm not really sure what category fit in anymore, but it just it keeps changing. But the church is about the body, like we're together as a body. It's exciting to, be, to see that. It's exciting to see young people, older people, middle-aged people together, like worshiping. That's what the church, the vision that Jesus had for the church. So you read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 to 10. A couple great verses. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Just want to read verse 8 again. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Let's pray. God, we just uh, we ask even right now, God, that you come into this room. God, our desire is that your spirit blows through not just a room, but most importantly, our hearts, our souls. God, prepare us, whether we're online or in person. Prepare us for what you have to share today. God, it's not about... My words, not about any other words that are spoken today. It's about your words through your spirit touching us. God, just help us to block out everything that's going on in our, in our minds and our hearts and to listen to what you have to share with us. In your name, amen. So last week, if you remember, John asked you to just like reference someone that had a big spiritual influence on your life. Who was someone that spiritually influenced you in your life. And some people raised their hands and shared, and he challenged you to, to think about that as you went home, and maybe to, to call somebody and encourage them that they uh, encouraged you. I know I've shared a lot about my dad um, being a big, having a big part in my spiritual journey, but there's many other people that have been a big part of my journey. And I, I grew up in a town called Cranford, New Jersey, and I uh, went to church in Kenilworth, New Jersey, Kenilworth Gospel Chapel. My great grandfather built like half of Kenilworth. Uh, we got involved in a little church there on Newark Avenue and 23rd Street, and there was a guy named Fred McKenzie. And Fred McKenzie was the lead elder, and Fred McKenzie really was instrumental in starting the church. At the same time, he uh, was an itinerant preacher, and he knew another itinerant preacher in Chicago. And that man in Chicago had a patent on a door closer. And he asked Fred, can you start a company in New York? And so Fred started a company in New York City, Pretty much half the church worked for that company. My dad worked for the company. I worked for that company. My kids are all in the door business because of, of that thing that happened in the early 1940s. Fred McKenzie uh, started a mission in, uh, in New York City, in the Bowery, for men that were struggling with alcohol. Fred McKenzie started an international uh, missionary organization called CMML, Christian Missions in Many Lands. It's based in South Jersey right now. Our denomination got all the missionaries together and started a missionary organization. Every Monday, one, one Monday a month, we had a missionary meeting. We'd have like three, 400 people come, people, missionaries coming and sharing. Fred McKenzie started a mission hospital in, in Northern Africa. 
Fred McKenzie had a pool in his backyard, and anybody that, that had a kids or whatever and didn't have a place to go, that pool was always open, except on Sunday, because Sunday was the Sabbath, so the Sunday was never open. Fred McKenzie, I kind of told you about like the Jesus Revolution, if you've seen the Jesus Revolution movie, but I grew up in the late 60s, early 70s when the Jesus Revolution happened, and we were a very conservative church. Fred McKenzie was a very conservative man, but we had these hippies that showed up at our church. And so Fred McKenzie started a Bible study at his house every other Tuesday. Anywhere from 40 to 80 people would come and study the Bible for two hours. And a lot of those people that came out of that Bible study are parts of churches all over New Jersey to this day. Fred McKenzie had no cell phone. He had no computer. He had none of the things that we think we need to get things done. What I remember about Fred McKenzie is that he was always present. He's there at dinner, 5 o'clock at night, 5 o'clock at night. Ran a company, ran a mission thing, did all this stuff, ran a church. He was always there. He engaged, super dynamic guy, but was very engaging wherever you're at. You know, uh, Father's Day was last month, and my daughter gives me a book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, Julie, you're trying to tell me something here? Like, is something... She says, well, Dad, I know, you're, I know you're really busy, and, you know, it's maybe a book you should read. So the book has definitely uh, hit me hard and changed hasn't changed my life yet, but it's, it's working. God's working to change my life. A lot of great quotes in that book. Corrie Ten Boom, if you know who Corrie Ten Boom was, she was the one that rescued a lot of, of people from Hitler uh, in Germany. She said, if Satan can't make you sin, he's going to make you busy. And sin and busyness have the same effect on you. They separate you from a relationship with God, a relationship with other people, and a relationship with your own, your own soul. Walter Adams says that hurry is what affects your spiritual walk. I don't know about you. People ask me, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm busy. Doesn't matter whether you're 20 or I'm 64. It's the thing to do. You say, yeah, I'm really busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm busy. That busyness affects my spiritual walk. That business affects your spiritual walk. God's not calling us to be busy. We kind of think that God calls us to be busy. That verse in Ephesians chapter 5 says, You were once darkness, but now you are a child child of the light. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. You know, Paul in Romans chapter 6 says, when, when, if you've accepted Jesus, like if you know that Jesus died for you on the cross and he rose again and you have a relationship with Jesus, Paul says in Romans 6 that your old self is crucified. It said that you have no reason to sin anymore because we're, we're a new man. One chapter later, he says, you know what? I try to do the right thing, and I find that that, sin is, that sinful nature is crouching at my door. What a struggle I have, he says. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. So I think I'm a, I'm a multitasker. I think I'm fairly intelligent, feel like I got things that I can figure things out, right? So that's, that's me. That's my sinful nature, thinking that I can do it. So when somebody says, you were once darkness and now you're light, walk as children of light, I feel like I'm going to do that. I'm going to walk. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk like a Christian. I'm going to do all the things I need to do. I'm going to be super involved in stuff. I'm going to be very engaged. I'm going to walk because Jesus called me to walk, and I can do it, right? I would encourage you, our hub started a podcast this week. I listened to that podcast yesterday, and the podcast was talking about the step one of, um, of recovery. Step one of recovery is to admit that you're powerless, admit that you're powerless. That's nothing about, well, that's a step for recovery. That's a step for all of us. I'm powerless. I can't do it. I think I can do it. I think I'm smart enough to do it. I think I have enough abilities to do it, but I can't do it. I'm lost without, I need Jesus in my life to walk in the light. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and laden, and I will give you rest. Come take my yoke upon you. Come take my yoke upon you. Jesus says, here's what I want. I want to walk right next to you. Jesus wants to walk right next to you. And he says, the yoke, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am Jesus says, I am humble in heart. The God of the universe that created us is humble. And he wants to walk next to you. He knows that we can't do it. We have to admit that I can't do it because I think I can still do it. Jesus says, I want to walk next to you because I want you to walk in the light. You're no longer in the darkness. I want you to walk in the light. and I can do this with you. I have a couple college friends that we communicate all the time. We text each other. And so one of them uh, sent me that song that we just sang like about two months ago. And that song like rocked my world, like in the room. The story is from Mark chapter two. The story is Mark chapter two when Jesus is in the height of like everyone loves Jesus, right? He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's preaching and nobody's ever heard him talk like this ever before. And people are going everywhere to see him. So Jesus has to escape from the crowds and he finally comes home to Capernaum and he comes to Peter's house. And like, again, no, there's no texting, no advertisement, but everybody knows that Jesus is in the house. So what happens? The house is packed, overflowing. There's people outside the door. At the same time, there's, there's these guys, who knows how many people there were, at least four men and their buddy who was paralyzed. And they said, we need to get this, my, young, my friend, he needs to get to see Jesus because Jesus is going to heal him. And he gets to the house, and imagine he gets to the house and he can't get in because the, the crowd is huge. The house is overflowing. Those houses were like a flat roof, so they walked up the stairs on top of the roof, tore the roof apart, and lowered them down so he could be with Jesus. And that song says, tear off the roof, lower me down, whatever it takes to be with you. Jesus, that's, that's what I want. I want to have a heart like that. I need to be with Jesus. We can't do it on our own. You can't walk on the, in the light on your own. We need Jesus. And the crazy thing is, is that Jesus wants to walk with you. All we need to do is ask him. He never is going to come into a place that he's not welcome. If you just turn around and say, Jesus, I need you, Jesus is going to come into your heart. I pray that each one of us, I pray for my own life, that I understand that I need Jesus more and more and more. How do you walk in the light? What does it look like to walk in the light? I don't know. 
all the answers to that question. There's a couple things I'd, I'd like to share that I think are important. First is this, to stick with the basics, stick with the fundamentals. Like I have three children, I love sports and I love coaching. I coached my kids in baseball and in basketball, that's kind of like my background, right? So I love teaching kids how to shoot properly, you know, how to be in, how to be in a ready position, how to feel the ball, how to properly throw a ball, how to hit a ball, right? The fundamentals, we need to stick with the fundamentals. Sometimes you watch professional sports and they get lazy, right? They lose the fundamentals. I love watching people that still stick with the fundamentals even when they're playing professional baseball. If you like the Yankees, Harrison Bader, you watch that guy play the outfield, he has the fundamentals. I love people that stick with the fundamentals. Same thing in our faith. What are the fundamentals of our faith? What does it mean to stick with the basics? We sang that song, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit, three in one. I believe that Jesus died on a cross, that he rose again, and he's coming back. That's the essentials. That's the basics and the fundamentals of our faith. To me, I always come back to this right here, to the cross. Paul says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. But to those that are saved, it is the power of God to salvation. Probably shared this before, but I had another mentor of mine that was a youth group. It was a young life leader in, in North Plainfield, New Jersey, and he had a huge crowd of kids. They always came. He had lots of games, and things were going on. And one night, he had a, he had a vision. And in that vision, he saw an, an escalator. And in that escalator, kids were going up that escalator and falling off and going down to hell. And he felt that he saw Jesus there saying, preach the cross. Preach the cross. Preach the cross. Like, a lot of us have friends, children, people that we know that have walked away from the faith, walked away from Christianity, whatever words you want to use, deconstruction, um, hypocrisy of us, of the church, of people. People walk away. We need to show people the cross. Because the power of the cross is what changes lives. Paul said this, that he, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. I saw Billy Graham recently preaching in, in uh, one of his crusades in Dallas, and he went like this. He, say, he re- used that verse. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And he said, Jesus, in that moment when he was separated from God, in that moment, he was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He was a liar. He was a cheat. Jesus took my sin, your sin, the sin of the world on himself on that cross. And he did it because he loves you. The message of the cross is the message of love and forgiveness. If I want to be someone that walks in the light, I need to be somebody that just loves people. I need to be somebody that just forgives people. Kind of talk a lot, maybe too much about the chosen, but I love watching the chosen. You ever watch Jesus? Never hurried, never too busy, always willing to freely forgive. Remember the story of Mark chapter 2, right? The, the guy's paralyzed, can't walk. When he woke up that morning, he said, I'm going to see Jesus today and I'm going to be able to walk. When they lowered him down, what did Jesus do? 
I forgive you of your sins. He knew what his real need was. He freely forgave the young man of his sins. He didn't go to Bible school. The kid didn't get down and confess all his sins. Jesus freely forgave him of his sins. The prodigal son, all he does is turn around. Jesus immediately throws his arms around him, has a party, just wants to celebrate because he's a God that freely forgives. Jonah was all upset about Nineveh. It's a horrible, evil place. And he said, I don't, I don't want to go there because I know the kind of God that you are. You're just going to forgive them. And he forgave them. Jesus is on the cross, and there was somebody next to him, and he freely forgave him and said, today I will be with you in paradise. If I want to walk in the light, I need to be somebody that loves people, that the love of Jesus Christ flows through me to the people around me. Second thing is this. Like, we need to be ready for the interruptions. Be ready for the interruptions. Like, a lot of us, I don't know what, you're, what you do for a living or what your job is or how you plan your life out, but we, we all, like, we make a plan. Maybe that plan is in your head, what you think is going to happen with your life when you're 18 or 20 or you just get married. Or maybe it's every day, or maybe you have a business. I'm going to plan out my business. Here's what's going to happen. Here's how we're going to live life. This service, like, is planned out, right? It's down to the minute. Like, what's going to happen? Who's going to do what? Blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. There's plans. And we think that that's how life is, to live by our plan. You know, Proverbs, it says that many are the plans that man makes, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. My favorite verse I put on everywhere, any card, I write Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. And I, until like this week, I didn't realize what the next part says. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Like you think like you could plan your life out. You think, I know, how, I know what's best. I know what I'm going to do. I know what's going to happen. I know what tomorrow's going to look like. James says like, what are you doing? Like, you have no control over tomorrow. You say this and that, this is going to happen. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. You need to trust me. Well, what am I talking about? I mean, no one plans to lose their job. No one plans for cancer to happen. No one plans for your child to maybe walk away from you, whatever that may be. No one plans to get cut off on the road. No one plans to get a long line in the supermarket. Like, we think, like, we're so important and how our life should go. And yet the reality is it's the interruptions in life where we really walk in the light. When you're at the supermarket and the line is super long, that's an opportunity for you to walk in the light. When somebody cuts you off on a highway, that's an opportunity for you to walk in the light. When you're on hold for three hours to find out where your luggage is, that's where you're an opportunity to walk in the light. When your child does something that you totally disagree with, that's an opportunity for you to walk in the light. When your job's not going like you thought it was going to go, that's an opportunity for you to walk in the light. And to, if we're honest with you, honest with each other, that's where the rubber meets the road. All the plans that we have, the way that we want to do stuff, the way that we look at church, the reality is if we're really walking in life, it's how do we handle the adversities and the everyday stuff that happens in life. The last thing is um, to walk with the king today. Walk with the king today. 
Like tomorrow is not promised. Yesterday's gone, but you're alive today. Pete shared a couple weeks ago that, that we have everything, if we know Jesus, you have everything that you need in Christ to live for him today. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God needs you to live for him today. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what kind of background. If you just found out, you just came to know Jesus yesterday, or you've known him for 50 years, God wants you to walk with him today. I was in Greece a couple weeks ago, and, and it was a place called Santorini, and Santorini is a volcanic island that occurred from a volcanic eruption 3,500 years ago. And it's 1,500 feet in the air. And the only way, historically, for hundreds and thousands of years, the only way to get from the ocean to the top was a donkey trail. And that donkey trail is a brutal trail like this. It's a great walk. My daughter and I walked it every single day. And there's literally hundreds of donkeys there. And donkeys like to poop. <laughs> and there was a guy there that his job every single day, 10 hours a day, was to sweep and clean up the poop. That was his job. And I remember looking at him and saying, like, man, you know, God loves this young man as much as he loves me, as much as he loves anyone else. And he needs to see the light, and he needs Jesus. We're coming to church this morning, came up from the beach, stopped at a place, and there was a guy at the table, and, and I felt like we had to rush and get here on time, etc. but there was a guy that looked like he just needed somebody just to say something. And we chatted a little bit, ended up praying with him, this guy named Joe, prayed for Joe. But God's calling for us to walk in the light today. There's a couple of us that pray every Friday. And if you have any interest in praying, I feel we need to be as more prayerful as a church and as people. If you have any desire to do that, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. But so I was going to pray like a couple weeks ago, and I stopped to get coffee. And we had to get, I had to get here at 6 a.m., and it was tight. And so I was in a hurry. And the guy that I was buying the coffee from was very chatty. He just wanted to talk, talk about life. And I thought, like, well, I'm really important because I need to go to a prayer meeting. As opposed to saying, like, no. My call right now is to be with this man and to stay in that moment and to talk with him, to not be in a hurry. You are no longer darkness if you know Jesus. And now we're called to walk in the light. What does it look like to walk in the light? I'm going to ask my good friend Mary Haddon to come up, but we're going to chat a little bit. I don't know if any of you guys know who Mary is. You can give Mary a hand as she's coming up. I've known Mary my whole life. My, my parents and, um, and Mary and Dave, Dave's here this morning. Good to see you, David. Are, we're always good friends and kind of grew up together. And Mary, to me, is the epitome of someone that walks in the light. Um, I won't tell you Mary's age, but Mary is a dynamic, spark plug, battery-operated, <laughs> energizer bunny. She's probably the long, arguably one of the longest-serving uh, volunteers here at Southridge Community Church. So I just wanted, Mary, I believe, is someone that, to me, lives out what it means to walk in the light. So Mary, I gave you a little introduction why don't you tell everybody that doesn't know you a little bit, or maybe people that think they know you, a little bit about yourself. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. 
My name is Mary Haddon. Um, you asked me to, how I would introduce myself. I'm a Jesus follower. Hmm. I'm a wife to Dave, hmm. a mom, uh, a nana. And all my life, uh, I've been a teacher. Wanted to do that since I was seven. So that's who I am. And I'm a servant here at Southridge Community Church. So both your husband and yourself um, were teachers, public yes. school teachers. So yes. tell me, what was that like? Well, it was very different from today, I believe. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we both love teaching, but um, I always felt like the Lord gave me that platform. And so where, whatever you were teaching, you could talk about your view of life. And um, I was able to witness many times to parents and even with the kids, I would read Little House on the Prairie to them, and every day there was something that we could talk about, and it involved faith. So I, was, I felt very free to share my faith, and it was a wonderful opportunity all those years. So those that don't teach envy people that teach because you have the summers off and you can go to the beach. <laughs> but that was not what God had for you. You spent a lot of time running a camp. Tell us a little bit, what was, what was that about? Yes. Um, when we got married, we needed a summer job because teachers really didn't make a lot of money. And so um, Dave's uncle was on the board of this camp, and it was a non-denominational Christian camp, which didn't really mean anything when we found out when we got there. But we were, we were Jesus followers, so we changed that. And, um, yeah, we, we began to become the fabric of the camp. And for many years, 38, we, uh, we served there. And this church was very involved in our ministry. Uh, many of the people sitting here were either uh, workers there or friends who helped us out and came to do work projects. Um, yeah, so over the summer, we would have about um, 400 kids, maybe, for... Uh, 10 days at a time, and it was a great opportunity to lead them to Jesus, and that was the, the thing we were allowed to do. So it was really an opportunity to share the light with them. Hmm. We talked a little bit about interruptions in life and how they shape uh, kind of who we are, and I know you've had some interruptions in your life. Um, I know you wanted to share. Yeah. Um, I want you to think about your life, and especially when you were young, you know, had little kids. Um, we, we moved to Hunterdon County. The camp actually built us a house, if you can believe that. And um, so we moved our family out here, and we began to serve at Clinton Baptist Church at the time. So our life was church. Our children had friends here. Um, we were very involved. We had a Bible study with couples, and with, I had one with moms. So... I would say that our life was blessed, and that's how we felt about it. But uh, I said in the first service, I don't know about you young moms, do you ever feel like, okay, everything's going so well, you're kind of a little worried that, you know, tomorrow might not be the same. Yeah, well, I, I would have those thoughts. I think we all do. But um, our life truly was like that. And so my kids, when they were teenagers, they were involved in a great youth group. They had all come to know Jesus. Um, so we were all very comfortable in the life that God had given us. 
and we weren't expecting the interruption. And so, you know, it can come so suddenly that you're like, what? How did this even happen? But four days after Christmas, uh, 1986, we're having our camp reunion. We always had one in, the, in December just to get everybody together. So I have a house full of teenagers, and um, my son is ill. So at some point, we felt like maybe this is really serious, and um, it truly was. But I can remember praying with my husband, because we went to the hospital, and we prayed um, just that God would take care of him, because he was in his hands. I remember that phrase very well. Where the Lord, you know, will take care of David. He's in your hands, God. And uh, he was truly in his presence by the end of the night. So, um, yeah, that was a, a big interruption. And we think of it as before David and after David. Hmm. And if you're sitting there and you've had any kind of a loss in your family or, you know, in your life, then you do. You think about things before it happened and after it happened. And it changes you. So you can never really be the same person you were before. What it did for me was it made me realize that um, what Dan said is so true. You only have today. You don't have tomorrow. It's not promised. And that really made me kind of angry. And so I struggled with the sovereignty of God a lot. And I was here, I was at church. People probably wouldn't have known, except my closest friends. They knew all about what was happening. But yeah, it was, it was a big interruption. And it took years for us to get to the point where we could say, God is good, we know God is good. We knew it at the time because he took us through that experience. It was an out-of-body experience because we were held up by the Spirit of God through the deepest waters we ever walked through. Our family was bonded together in Christ. The Holy Spirit carried us. You know that verse in Romans that says that when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for you? That's where we were. And we were saying words that we believed. Jesus, we know David's with you. We tell everybody. You know, it opened the doors. I was witnessing to my friends at school and saying to them, hey, heaven's a real place, people. So God used it, but it was a big interruption. However, I'm here today to say God is good, and God is faithful, and he's been faithful to our family. So whatever you're going through, if it's loss, I know what loss is, but your loss is different than mine. And so God's going to deal with you individually. And he's going to show you the way just for you. But he is sovereign. And the words that I said, which my husband never said, my husband never questioned that, you know, this was, he wasn't angry. But I said, why couldn't he save him? He could have, but it wasn't in the plan. So... He knew the Lord, and he's with the Lord. And I, I mentioned this song by Toby Mack that I just listened to this week, courtesy of my granddaughter's playlist. Hmm. And um, 
it's called 21 Day, 21 Years. His son died at 21. And he says in the song, thank you, Lord, for my beautiful son. But he says, God has you in heaven, but I have you in my heart. So God is good hmm. through the interruption. <laughs> You're an amazing woman, Mary. I know that God has used you a lot, your pain to share and to comfort others. Um, and it's hard to know why things happen, right? But um, you're a willing servant to be used by him. Like what, I know you serve kids still heavily. In fact, you shared with me like something that you think about every time you teach a, a class. Do you want to share that? Well, yeah, when I'm driving to uh, church, I mean, I prepare the lesson throughout the week and I pray over it, but when... Um, when I'm driving to church on Sunday morning, I really pray that maybe there'll be one little boy or girl there that doesn't know Jesus. And um, in, in SR Kids, we're focused on the cross. So we make, it, we make it our business to present the cross to the kids. So we give them the invitation. And sometimes someone answers the invitation. You know, God's tugging on those little hearts. So it's, it's a great privilege. And at camp, I had the privilege to lead little ones to Jesus. And um, I, I just can't tell you, it's, it's like the ultimate high when that little child says yes. Right? And you had one just a couple weeks ago. Yes. Yeah, we did. So pray for those little guys. They're the future. Like, why do you still serve? Why are you not retired and Living in Florida, okay, not, um, not yeah. serving Jesus. Well, I, I'm not going to Florida because we're Jersey people, and my husband and I. <laughs> I wanted to say something about my husband. Um, when I got married, that was the knight in shining armor that came into my life. And uh, all those years together, we were a team, and we're still a team. But when we had the interruption, he carried me for a whole year. He carried me. He put aside his grief for me. And I think that bears recognition. But anyway, we're in the, um, the season of uh, maybe autumn. <laughs> and so I remember what Sam Fiore said, and here's what he said. There's no retirement in the Bible, right? And Nathan says, if you're not dead, you're not done. So I think you can always find something to do. I've pulled back a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I love what I'm doing. So I'm not giving it up. I told Dave that. But I think that the Lord shows you when it's time to give something up. You know, so you do that. But just want to invite the band to come back up. We're going to close with a song. But in the meantime, is there something, Mary, that you want to just share with everyone here? You've shared a lot already, but something... <laughs> I think um, God has challenged me in my life to, um, to just remember that life is short. We're just a breath, you know, a flower, and we fade. And if it, I, re I read this book every year about women in history, Christian women in history, and you think of Joan of Arc and, you know, these women that changed the world. And this is our time to change the world. 
And when you lead a child or an adult to Christ, you're changing not just the world, but you're changing Generations. eternity. So my challenge to you is don't give up, don't give in, just keep serving the Lord, and he will reward you. Uh, there was a verse, I had written down some verses, but um, Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Hmm. And I, I really struggled with that verse. I said, you know, is this the desire of my heart? But when you turn yourself to him, he does give you the desires of your heart. Amen. Let's give Mary a big hand. stand as we uh, sing this final song. Simply taking life and 
says to all of us, come to me, all you who are weary, hurried, busy, come to me and I will give you rest. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. If you don't know who Jesus is, we'd love to talk to you about that. If there's things that you need to have prayer for, there'll be people up here to pray. Know that God loves you desperately. Walk with the King today and be a blessing. God bless you.